This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, folks? Welcome to a uh, little Tuesday afternoon edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I am your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus. The CTO is back at the command center joining me today, and we, as always, are brought to you by Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Cool Bet Canada, Breezy Bend, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Michael Remus, what's going on, Remo? How are you? Uh, hold on. I will bring myself in one sec. I'm getting settled in here, us. I'm feeling good. I was going to tell you, I took a bit of a spill earlier today. Uh, I did oh, the uh, I did the 9 a.m. Costco run, step out of the car, slip on the ice, and immediately fall. So if anyone was in the Costco parking lot <laughs> at 9 a.m. And the worst part was I was holding my phone while I got out of my car, and I had a decision to make. It's like I can drop my phone and um, you know try to stop my own fall with my hand or hold on to it and just eat it with my elbow. And uh, I chose to hold on to the phone and went elbow down on the on the you know on the ice right out of the car so i'm doing okay i'm here nothing uh, nothing's broken but uh uh it was pre- would have been pretty funny just to see me get out of the car and immediately just <laughs> eat the eat you know eat sand few or things few things could possibly motivate me to go to costco anytime really but especially at 9am However, if I knew that that would be the time to be sitting in the parking lot to see you fully bail, um, maybe I would have gone there. But hard to predict those sort of events. Um, And credit to you for holding on to the phone. You know, when you are, there's a couple things when you are having some sort of a fall that you really want to take care of. Your phone would be right up there if you've got a beer. um, Usually, you know, you want to make sure to keep that thing up to try to not lose it. Um, But again, the art of bailing maintaining minimal damage to whatever you're holding uh, as well as yourself is is a skill frankly and uh, you got a little bit of practice in that this morning apparently Reece. that uh, I didn't spill my beer bit was actually a routine in an Adam Sandler movie that's my boy I know you love Adam Sandler as much as I do Hus. <laughs> but uh it's just like a minor joke he's holding a beer like the whole movie and he always falls and says ah, I didn't spill my beer so yes it is a it is definitely a skill but I guess I could have just had my phone in my pocket, but it's really—it's—it's it's glued to my hand, Huss. I can't—I can't do anything. Don't look at my screen time. You know how it tells you <laughs> how it tells you how many pickups you have per day. Don't look at mine. It's it, no one needs to know. No one needs to know. You know, as far as the holding the drink up, the best running gag of that of all time was Ricky in the trailer or uh, Julian in the trailer park yeah. boys, who always had the Ryan Coke. Um, and no matter what, like there'd be like a car accident and he'd get out of the car and he would still have the Ryan Coke. And, you know, it was funny when I started in radio way back in the day, the shower curtain days, I was doing the morning show with Dave Lewis at the time and the trailer park boys were in town and they came in to join us at like seven in the morning one day on the show. And the guys came in in full character before 7 a.m., and Julian had the Ryan Coke. And what was amazing is that it actually had Ryan in it. I tested it. And it was legit, even at 7 in the morning. So 
Shout out to the Trailer Park Boys and shout out to everybody that is with us here in the chat. Great to have everybody with us. Um, Scott Billick is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll discuss last night's game and the look of the Winnipeg Jets post-trade deadline. And Remo, yesterday was an amazing show for us. We had, um, you know, well over a consistent 500 viewers for the majority of the show, peaked at like almost 630. And while the show was great, um, everyone was fired up, nothing much really happened. And, you know, when we got off the air, we heard from general manager Kevin Dayoff. And it was an interesting post, uh, post, uh, post-deadline post presser, I guess you want to call it, from Chevy, in that, you know, he's never going to fully put his cards out on the table. Um, but you certainly did get the, I mean, a sense of frustration that more wasn't able to be done. Now, to their credit, I mean, they've always sort of gone into these things, I think, with, you know, pretty clear ideas of what they want, what they're willing to give up players that they will part with, picks that they will part with, and others that are untouchable. And it seemed like the ask or the demand for what they wanted was not something they were willing to give up. And I think most fans are probably good with that if it meant trading a Vili Hainala or a Dylan Sandberg or a Cole Perfetti to get some short-term help for the Jets. People aren't in on that. But I don't know, my takeaway from this, and we'll get to Paul Maurice afterwards and maybe the team as well, is that yesterday overall was just a pretty frustrating day for the Winnipeg Jets, starting with the general manager, finishing with the performance of the team on the ice, followed by maybe the most agitated we've heard Paul Maurice in a very long time after last night's loss to the Sens. Yeah, and I was, you know, we did have an awesome show yesterday. We had, uh, yeah, peaked at like 630 people, had consistently over 500 Now I know why TSN does this trade deadline show for eight hours, because we sat there waiting for something to happen. It was the lowest number of players in trades in years, lowest number of trades on deadline day in years, but we had a record show. So I was, I was pretty happy, even though, you know, maybe you're not happy about the Jets move. So I know, I know exactly why, uh, why, you know, these show, these broadcast networks have the deadline shows because it was our, our best one uh, yet since we started. But, uh, you know, it seemed like we knew we knew the Jets needed, needed defense. You looked at some of the prices um, for a guy like David Savard. You know, are you going to go and pay a first-round pick for Jamie Alexiak? Is he that much better than what you have now? I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, were they going to trade Vili Hainala for a rental or a guy who you're going to have maybe for an extra year? I don't think they're going to do that. Maybe you could part with Dylan Samick, but it seems like they want those guys to be here. So from what it looked like, they didn't want to pay the price and other teams weren't looking to move. It's not like it's not like other top defensemen went and the Jets missed out. No one was making any trades. So I do think it is disappointing that, you know, they didn't add. I think this was a great opportunity to go for it. But if they were asking for Vili Hainala for a rental, then maybe not. And you tweeted it out. Um Sheveldoff said, you know what, we have maybe you have more depth internally then appears to the you know to the uninformed observer, and maybe we do see a guy like Billy Hainala get a shot because we were talking over. He hasn't played for like a month. He's been in the taxi squad. Well, this guy needs to get into some games, Hus. And I don't know if they're trying to you know not start his service clock, but this is a good player. He should be playing somewhere. Uh, why is he wasting away on the taxi squad at this point? Let's get him in the lineup. Let's see what he can do. 
The Jets' playoff position isn't isn't changing. They're probably finishing two or three. They're going to play Edmonton, and I think this guy needs to play. Uh, so maybe that's the one thing that came from the deadline is the trade the trade acquisition is actually you know getting your former first round pick into the lineup. Yeah, and and we'll see if that happens and how things proceed. I mean, I think that we will see Hainel play at some point. Um, I guess the big question is whether it's with the Jets or with the Moose. Um, there are some unique challenges this year with the travel, you know, only being able to go private. If you need players during a road trip, you can't just fly them in. And I think that is why he spent, you know, the time that he has on the taxi squad, um, because they may need him, but for a team and an organization that preaches draft and develop, um, there's, there's no page in the draft and develop guide about having your top players sit and just practice for a month. Although, and I thought Weaver made a good point to this last night, I think it was Ken, speaking with um, Jansen Harkins, is that he's spoken about, you know, his time off the ice on the taxi squad. And while not being in games, they really have done a ton of extra work. He's worked on a lot of things. And I, I think Harkins has really been good. And I, I wasn't not surprised. I mean, we've seen him do that before. I think there is legitimately a lot of jump in his game. But he did say that there were some benefits to being on that taxi squad and working at that level. But I think we know that Philly Hainola needs to play games. The one thing about Philly is he did get a bunch of time in Finland before things got going here. So I think I think he's played about 40 games this season. So it's not like he's been sitting out like so many other people have. But back to the Shevel Dayoff comment, um, you know, and, and again, I'm not sure whether this was just kind of deflecting um, away from the disappointment of not being able to get a couple of the guys that they really were looking at trying to acquire and just the price didn't work out and the deals fell through. Um, or whether legitimately, you know, he's kind of planning that at some point we're going to see Billy Hanel in the lineup. There's the old tug of war. I mean, the coach does the lineup card, as they say, right? And um, I know there's a whole bunch of funny Moneyball tweets uh, and responses to my tweet yesterday about that, and I don't think we're in that territory right now. Um, but the bottom line is the Jets didn't add, uh, outside of Jordy Ben, any real impact defenders, and I do think that there are some people, maybe not all, at this point in the Jets organization that would think a player like Philly Hinola uh, could be potentially an impact player when he gets his opportunity, and I guess the big question is whether that will be this year. Injuries will probably play a big role in it, um, but they do have some capable players from within that, frankly, Remus might be better than the guys that were available for mid- or late-round picks towards 2 p.m. yesterday afternoon. Yeah, and it wasn't like, and look, you look at the guys who got traded, and who, David Savard was number one. I mean, David Savard's a nice player, but I think we can all agree the return was a bit high. And, you know, the other names are mentioned. Who was mentioned? Brandon Montour, Dmitry Kulikov. I don't think they were going to go down the road with Dmitry Kulikov again for a fourth round I would have taken Cooley for a fourth round I, I, I would have too, but I, I would mean, have had already, no problem with that. They already, they already had him. So maybe they were just like, you know what, we're not going to do this. We've already, we've already done this. And they'll roll the dice. And, you know, we talked about Kale McCarr coming in last year or, you know, before and being, you know, the top guy for Colorado. That's, I don't think that's going to happen here but it just shows you that the impact a guy like that who can make on a blue line that maybe doesn't have you know a prototypical number one guy so look I think his comments were interesting he said look we'll see if Billy comes in 
He's sitting there, not playing. I, I, what, how long do you let him sit there, Huss, in the taxi squad? Like, How do you do that? Yeah, well, listen, I think something will come to a head soon uh, when it comes to that. Like, Gilbert Marion, Chevy could have matched Tampa Bay for Savard. I would be interested to know how many people would feel comfortable with trading a first-round pick, a third. Let's get the entire deal here because not only did they have to trade for the player, they also had to trade for the cap space to get him uh, to get him in. Um, but it was a first-rounder and I believe a third-rounder um, for, uh, for the player. So, I, I mean... To me, that seems like a lot for a strict rental player. Um, you know, we it, listen, Savard was the top player, but I mean, he was the top player because of real lack of other guys. Um, so, yeah, it ends up being a first round pick, a third round pick, and a fourth round pick for David Savard. Um, listen, to me, that's a trade you make if you are, if you're Tampa Bay. Um, but the Jets, who've already traded two of their first, th- uh, first round picks in the last three years. Does that make sense to do it? I mean, I'd be interesting to know who wishes that the Jets would have done that this year, considering their realistic cup hopes and what that would do. Because um, those are some significant assets that they gave up. And listen, if you're Tampa and you're looking to repeat and do it again, maybe I get it because they have a pretty set window. Um, to me, the Jets window is a little bit bigger, and not to mention the way, how important the picks are to an organization like Winnipeg that can't just go and add free agents like many other teams in the league. They've traded away first-round picks, I think, when it's necessary, when they had a shot, like getting uh, Paul Stasny and with the Kevin Hayes one. I mean, they had a really good team. They had a chance, and I think they had a, a good chance. If there was a player of that caliber available, I think you'd do it, but... If the top guy is David Savard, uh, again, he's not like he's not a bona fide number one. He's like a middle pair guy. I mean, he's a solid, he's a solid player. He could, could have definitely helped them, but I guess they felt like, hey, we can go with these guys. We can play, you know, play the kids if we need to. Uh, Samberg and Hanela, and they'll roll the dice. I mean, they have Hellebuck. Hellebuck. We haven't even talked about the game yesterday. Did not have his strongest game. Made yeah, some that- of the hard. It's funny, you know, how many breakaways can he stop? And then you have that flub shot from center that he uh, hands to Dadanov and the one off the glove. So I don't want to, I'm not blaming him for that, but usually, you know, if he sees a shot, it's getting saved. There was no one last night that was very good for the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. And usually when the team's not very good, at least their all-star goaltender sort of, you know, will make things look a little bit better. That wasn't the case last night. And Maurice talked about it. We'll get into it with Scott Billick coming up in just a second here at Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, the show, as always, brought to you by Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Visit them at Waverly and McGilvery and find out more about their consignment program. If you're looking to upgrade and potentially in a lease that you'd like to get out of the handle and take care of that for you, it's all there at Waverly and McGilvery. With the help of the Not team, find them online at not.ca. And big thanks to Boston Pizza, all local Boston pizzas. You can call your shot with Molson. Get the pizza flights or any Molson beverage and get a chance to win instant Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-made outdoor rink for next year, or even a VIP NHL experience. Call your shot with Molson and Boston Pizza. Good for eat-in, takeout, 
or delivery. All right, let's get to it. Uh, welcome in our good friend Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun to chop it up and talk a little Jets. What's good, Scotty? How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, how are you, bud? How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. It was a busy show yesterday. Um, a lot of anticipation um, for not a lot. Uh, now we're about 24 hours <laughs> removed from all of the action or lack thereof. Um, what do you think about the what happened or what didn't happen? And um, then we'll get into the game and stuff later on. Yeah. You know, I've thought about this all night last night, throughout the day yesterday, all night, and and, and, and into the wee hours of the morning, just trying to understand, you know, was it a failure yesterday? Was it a good thing? Did the Jets dodge a bullet by not giving up, say, a Dylan Sandberg for a rental player like David Savard or, or whoever it might be, right? Um, and I've come to the conclusion that I'm not entirely sure, and I don't think we'll know until the playoffs whether, you know, it made a difference or not. And then you obviously have the benefit of, hindsight and all that kind of stuff but I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of siding with the fact now that you know if you were just going to give up a future player like that for a guy that's not what you would consider a top tier I, I suppose defenseman right this isn't a Matthias Ekholm this is you know David Sparrow's a good player now let's not get it wrong here but does he put this team over the top I'm not entirely sure. Is this team a top four defenseman away from being a Stanley Cup contender? With the right guy, I think so. Um, but but that said, I just not sure you want to mortgage, you know, some of your future stars. Now the Jets have a glut of left-handed defensemen. They could have shipped somebody yesterday. I just think you're asking a guy to pick between his two children, and 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 you know when it comes to those two defensemen, and just. It's a tough one, right? I, I understand the frustration with fans. Uh, I, I get that because you know, well, and some are happy. I mean, some are happy that the Chevy didn't go out and and, and and sell off one of his guys for a rental, right? I mean, there was you know no movement on on Josh Manson, um, so you weren't getting a guy with any term left on his deal. So you know, to me, it's. Yeah. It, 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 they got one piece of what they needed. They didn't get the biggest piece of what they needed. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not – the way that Kevin Dayoff looked yesterday was interesting because he's not – and I'm sorry to pivot here, but he seemed disappointed that something didn't work out. And and maybe that's the part that, that kind of keeps me I'm not sure because he almost seemed like he was shooting or, or making big swings, and he said that. Um, you know, whether or not we, you know, you believe the general manager or not when he says those types of things, if it's trying just to appease the fan base saying he was in the mix or whatever. But but there was a general, a genuine, sorry, disappointment on Kevin Shovel yesterday. Like he looked exhausted a little bit, you know, just kind of upset with how maybe things did or didn't go. Maybe there was a deal in place and at the end, you know, they asked Jets to sweeten it a bit more and then. And Shovel Def wasn't, you know, willing to do that. This is just speculation, but the base, just based on what he, you know, Shovel Def said yesterday, it almost seemed like there was a deal, maybe even in place, for a bigger name, and it just kind of fell through at some point. I mean, the fact that they got Jordy Ben late, as late as Shovel Def said, seemed, you know, to me, it seemed like a bit of a desperation moment. Like, you know, we got to get somebody here. We just got to get a depth defenseman. But you know, something that they spent, you know, the most of the day kind of working on a bigger deal and it just kind of fell through or maybe even the days leading up to it. So well, for sure. And and I mean, yeah. Scott, I mean, I guess my, 
My reaction, I'm, I'm less surprised that they didn't go down the road that maybe many of us thought they were because of some of the prices for some of these other players. Like, you know, once yeah. once we kind of understood that Matthias Ekholm was pretty much out of the picture, and I mean, just for the record, what has been reported as the ask from Nashville, for those of you disappointed that they didn't get it done with Ekholm, yeah. was not only the first round pick, but Billy Hano was the guy they wanted, that, like that was the guy that would have made the deal happen. I don't think there's very many people in Jets Nation that are buying that or that would want to go in on that. And I mean, Scott, before I had you on, we put out the cost for David Savard. I mean, David Savard didn't just get a first-round pick for Columbus. They ended up getting a first, a third, and a fourth, and that extra pick was what they had to put in for some salary retention with Detroit. I put that out to the chat beforehand. There's not a lot of people going, yeah, they needed to match that or better that deal and make that happen for this season right now. And then, you know, it would be one thing if Jamie Alexiak went and got traded for a fourth round pick, but he didn't. Goligoski stayed put. Most of these players did stay put. And it seems like, you know, other general managers were hoping they could squeeze out similar returns to what Columbus got for David Savard. And it just did not seem like that was realistic. Yeah, and it just it, it's a weird year, right? There was only 17 trades yesterday, one of the lowest in the last decade. Only 26 players moved. That's the lowest in two decades, right? 20 years almost, I think. 2001, 2002 or 2000, 2001 season, whatever it was. Since that, like it, it you know, the, the the market was slim as to begin with, right? There's not a lot of players moving. Some of the players, I mean, I you know, you look at a team like Nashville, right, or even Chicago maybe, right, there's teams that still think that they're in it, right, that they can still get there. So maybe you're not moving in Nikita Zadorov. Maybe the Jets wanted that. You know, Josh Manson, you still had to get him to, you know, I, I talked to a source yesterday. He didn't, you know, there was never an offer put in front of Josh Manson to to, to waive his nail trade clause. So that was just a non-starter for the Jets. Um, you know, you still had to get to the point where there was a deal in place and then ask Manson. That didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Billy Heinrich is, like you said, I mean, it, it, he's an untouchable on this team. Kevin Shovel day off in his press conference, it, it effectively advocated for playing Billy Heinle more in the lineup, right? Like, it was almost one of those, I, I think they call it the money, you know, the, the, the money ball, the Billy Bean moment, right? Where, you know, it's almost like they want to play this Is guy. that the way you took it? Because I tweeted out right afterwards. I said, you know what? It was very interesting that yeah. – and this was somewhat kind of not a normal shovel day off thing to say. I mean, he yeah. specifically mentioned Hanela and that, you know, we'd like to see him play and get in the lineup. And now listen, part of that could be deflection, um, saying, hey, you know what? Sure. We've got some really good players here. And I do sort of believe that – at the end of, you know, at quarter to two, when they're going back and forth and getting squeezed by, you know, Jim Nill to try and get Jamie Alexiak out of Dallas at the cost, going like, we're going to give all this up to get this guy when we've got some pretty good young players that might be able to, that could certainly benefit from the experience if they play and might be able yep. to come in and be as good as what we're going to be giving. Like, maybe we go that way. So there could be, uh, sincerity to it, which we just don't get very often, and it maybe came out yesterday. It could a little yeah. bit be deflection, but I mean, when I think of it, and I think of these assets that they've put out, if they're coming to this realization that they're going to need more than the six defensemen they're playing right now, um, they've used some pretty important draft capital on these young men that they've been grooming 
yeah. maybe it makes more sense for the organization to get those guys in as opposed to not. The bottom line with Hanela is the kid hasn't played in almost a month, and something's got to give one way or the other on that. He did play in Finland beforehand, so it's not like he's only played six games this season. But um, if he's a guy that you think might be coming in the lineup at some point, probably important to get him some game action before somebody gets hurt and he's forced into a playoff game having not played in six or eight weeks. And I, I completely agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I read it yesterday as Chevy, like you know, trying to force your, you know, tip, you know, Maurice's hand to play him. But I mean, like you said, I mean, he, this is a guy who's just sitting on the taxi squad right now. You know, it, it's either crap or kind of get off the pot, right? So put this guy in. Um, either either put him in or just send him back to the moose so you can get some playing time, right? Because like either way, he's playing at that point. So either you're playing him in the NHL or you're playing him in the AHL. And, and I get the taxi squad's competitive and all that, but it doesn't beat the the game, right? Like you you want Billy Heinemann playing games right now, and he's not. And I understand this is about winning hockey games. I would suspect that if Billy Heinemann is not going to play in this lineup, when the Jets get home for this extended ro- uh, home stand that they have, he's going back down to play the moves because then they can bring him back up whenever. There's a lot more time for that. I understand that they've had these road trips over the last you know month yeah. and a half almost now right so you're trying to cover it off i get that it's about winning hockey games right now palm race has said that i understand all that but at this point you know once you're home you really know, needs to play hockey one way or another it's got to be somewhere you see what cole Perfetti's doing down there you see what uh, you know dylan sandberg's doing down there obviously a, a bit of an injury issue there with him I believe, but you know, it, it there's. I, I think you still need to play Billy Hina one way or another, and that's kind of maybe that's where the frustration laid for Chevy yesterday. I, I'm not entirely sure, right? Like, I, I think he was just frustrated. I mean, at the end of the day, he was frustrated, and when Chevy's frustrated, it seems he's a little more honest with kind of what you, you can just see it, right? There was no hiding yesterday how he felt. It was right all. It was all over his face, right? I mean, you knew that this guy had tried to take a swing. He didn't, you know, connect with it. Essentially struck out on the big-name players that maybe he was after, whether it was a guy that we speculated about or we reported on or, or somebody else that, you know, one of these Paul Stasny-type deals. He just didn't get that done today or yesterday. And he, he was upset about it. And, and, you know, that's it is what it is. I'd love to know which guy he was willing to part with, whether it was Sandberg. I don't think it was Heinle. I don't think it's a guy like Cole Perfetti. Maybe Christian Veselainen was in there, and he just wasn't willing to sweeten the pot any further. We don't know, and that's kind of usually the way it goes with this this club because it's always kept to the best. But yeah, yeah well, it's yeah. just one of those days. So. On, on your point, on you know the frustration level, and I think he sort of alluded to it. I mean, when you're talking about you know, you know the the big the the big home run swing or the big swing that I think he mentioned. I mean, that's not Jamie Alexiak. That's not, no, I don't think so. you know, that's yeah. not Ben Hutton. That's not Dmitry Kulikov. No. I mean, I really do think that Sheveldayoff was going down the road of the Paul Stastny deal. And probably the reason why it was harder to pull off is you're probably talking about a bigger deal, a player with term. And there's a lot of things that go into that. The bottom yeah. line is they did, they did not do anything really significant. They'll be going into this postseason run with the guys that they have, there's the potential that some of these young guys may get an opportunity to play. And I would argue that in the big picture, the long run, as disappointed as some people were yesterday, that might very well be in the best interest of the Winnipeg Jets in the big picture. If, of course, 
at some point these young guys do get in because yeah. I don't not sure that you know you're guaranteed to win an extra round if you make that deal yesterday or frankly no. guaranteed to even win one round. So no. you know with the way this team is constructed with the and let's not forget you know and Sheveldale they'll never use this outwardly as an excuse. But yeah. the the GM job in Winnipeg is, I think, a lot more challenging than in a number of other spots in the league. Guys don't necessarily want to come. You've got things like Josh Manson with no trades. A lot of players have no trades. That's an unfortunate yeah. side effect of this last CBA. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that make it maybe a little bit more difficult to do it. And that's why, I mean, the focus on drafting and developing and not giving up a ton of picks and your assets to do this, I think... Big picture is important for the Winnipeg Jets. It could end up being a big positive that not a lot happened yesterday. Obviously, it depends on what these young players turn into as well. Um, But I I understand the frustration of the short term, both of the general manager and some of the fans, because this is a pretty damn good hockey team. And you look at the forwards and you look at the goaltending and realize that those units on their own can compete with anyone in the NHL. Um, But you wonder whether the defense can keep up as the competition increases going into the playoffs. And, and I, I just think, you know, and the, the other thought, like, so like the, the devil advocate kind of side of me or whatever, the thing that I thought about yesterday is like, I don't know how much poker you play, um, but, you know, you, you get to the point in the poker table where the blinds are going up, maybe there's an ante introduced, you know, you're sitting there, you've got a nice stack of chips, right? Um, but you're just, you're, you're too scared to play a hand, right? You're waiting for those pocket aces, and, and they're not coming around, and so your chips are bleeding off your stack, and then all of a sudden you find out you're the short stack, and, and you're in, you know, what do you have left, right? My, my, my issue sometimes with this team or with Kevin Chevaldeoff is how long can you kick the can down the road on hoping guys develop, right? Because you know, they've done that for 10 years now. You know, the first five years, let's give them, you know, we, we can cut that right off the top, right? Because you're trying to rebuild a team, you're trying to draft, you're trying to develop guys, now they've done that, though. We're, we're 10 years into this. They've done that. Um, and they have one of the best forward contingents in the NHL. They have maybe, arguably, the best goaltender on the planet. And so all that they're missing, perhaps, then, to make this push is those defensemen. So how long how long can Cheveldev wait to keep what he has that is so good for him right now, those forwards, that goaltender, and I understand a lot of these guys are still under contract, but I mean, you might lose Andrew Kopp, you might lose Adam Lowry, you're probably not losing both of them, but are you signing both of them? I, I just, you know, that I, I think that's where the dilemma comes, and especially for a lot of fans, is they, they you know, we we write about it, we talk about it, we're, you know, the, the pundits, the, the, all these people will say that this team isn't that far off, so how long do you wait? And, and I, so I think that's part of the problem that, that I have, that, that I juggled with yesterday is like, they didn't make that big swing. Did they need to? Is this year? Is next year the year? It, this, 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 these are all the things that Kevin Sheveldayoff has to go over too, right? It's not easy for him either. And he's got one of the toughest sales jobs in the NHL. I mean, that's not, and you alluded to it. It's hard to get guys here. It's hard to tell a guy. I mean, look at it outside today. I mean, you know, who wants to come to this? If you're sitting in Anaheim right now as Josh Manson, why do you want to come to this? You know, and there's other reasons for that too. But I mean, I guess my point is that, you know, at some point, Chevrolet has to weigh the fact that he has to win, right? This is a win results business. In the last 10 years, they've won two playoff series. That's it. 
So their success has obviously been bred in, in what they've developed. You look at all the players on this roster, almost all of them have come through either drafting or, or they trade for a guy, but most of them, all your, your core, other than like Blake Wheeler, you know, it, it has come from drafting, right? You, you've created this team. You've built this team with a core that, that can move forward. At some point, you have to supplement it. And, and, and I think at the, and then the other part of that is some point you have to trust the fact that your scouting staff will go out and get the next Hamburg or the Cole Perfetti, right? At some point, you know, they've got, they got Connor Hellebuck in the fifth round, right? I mean, this is the thing. This team can draft well, and they've done it. So at some point you have to trust that and maybe you have to give up one of those pieces, the, the next guy, to go out and get the piece that kind of puts you over the top or at least positions you to put you over the top because at the end of the day, there's 31 teams in this league. They're all trying to do the same thing. Only one at the end of the day is going to win. But you have to eventually put your best foot forward and I just don't know if that's happened here yet. I agree. I agree uh, uh, with you on that. And listen, I think that they had done that in the past. I certainly think they did that with Paul Stasny. I think they sure. attempted to do that with Kevin Hayes. Yep. I guess my question is, as currently constructed, is there a player out there that, regardless of what the cost, is there a player out there outside of, you know, Victor Hedman or whatever that's going to plop into the Jet lineup and put them over the top? I, I, I don't. You know, listen, I'm not sure that that right. answer is out there. And on deadline, we always talk about this is the move that's going to happen. How many of those really work out that way? Almost okay. none of them. Yeah, so, but every I team mean, does add, right? Like, and, and I, I put this out there. I got a lot of blowback on Twitter yesterday because I put, you know, every team adds somebody. And, and people are like, well, Barkley Goudreau didn't matter or, or Michael Kepney in Washington. Didn't. Well, what, what do you mean didn't matter? I mean, these guys put up some points in the playoffs. You know, if you go back and look at the game, some of them would have been important. You can't just say because the guy isn't a big name, he didn't matter. Uh, you know, like, and I think, you know, a Barclay Goudreau and a Blake Coleman, those guys arguably helped put Tampa Bay over the top, right? Tampa Bay, you have to remember, Tampa Bay went out in the first round the year before they won the cup. They got swept, you know, and so that that is the other opposite side of this too, right? That is the argument. They do, they do go out and do something that year as well. They didn't get the result. The next year, they did it the same thing. You, you get a Patrick Maroon, you get some some veteran presence and, and that sort of thing. It's hard to get this to work, but it's you have to try at some point because eventually, Shifley's, the, your Shifley's, your Ehlers, they're going to get too old to the point where you're not going to have those guys in their prime anymore. And I think that's, you know, in the next couple of years, if it's not this year, it's got to be next year or the year after, I think, because you've got to... Make sure that your core, especially that forward contingent and that your goaltender, is still in their prime when you're making the Stanley Cup push. Like, and then I think to me that's just the bottom line. Chevy has to do something at some point to get it done, or at least to shoot his best shot. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do. And then hope it works, and hope the coaching's there, and hoping the players respond to all of it. But it has to happen at some point. Yeah, well, that uh, you know whether that was the the big uh, attempt yesterday or not, um, we yeah. know what this team is going to look like going forward. Jordy Ben will join the club in a little bit. We'll see what happens with the young guys. But this is the Winnipeg Jets, and hey, to their credit, I mean they're in second place right now. They've been a very yeah. good team this year, and I mean there is some. Like, listen, I, I totally understand the note. Hey, you want to give your team the best chance to win and do what you can do to add like some other teams are doing and go. There is also, and I think Chevaldeoff alluded to this, and this will be something I know Maurice, I think, believes quite strongly in, that the guys that have been here have sort of, with the results they've had, they've earned the opportunity to continue going forward. And 
you know, we'll go. Let, let's get to the game last night, though, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was a narrative um, of many um, that, you know, it was an underwhelming day for the general manager and, you know, the hockey club sort of, you know, showed what they thought of the deadline or the lack thereof, yeah, and that was the way they played. I'm not there on no. that at all. They just stunk last night for the They're most not. part. They just they just weren't very good. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it really stands out because Connor Hellebuck, who we were talking about on the show earlier today in the midst of all the trades, being announced as the first star of the week, coming off a shutout, um, he had a very uncharacteristically rough game. We all know that sometimes Connor Hellebuck handling the puck looks like somebody with the hand grenade with the pin pulled. We got a bit of that last night. We got an uncharacteristic, you know, whiff on a, on a shot that went in. Um, So listen, that sort of is glaring. Anytime your goalie has a rough game, you see that a lot more, but you know, with the exception of some dominating power play time early in the game, there wasn't, I can't, it's hard to even pick out a guy that go, man, he was really good last night. Sometimes teams just have off nights. The Leafs did the same thing last night. And I have a feeling that's going to be a big challenge for the coaches right now to keep these guys locked in game after game when pretty much the writing is on the wall. The mm-hmm. teams are in the playoffs. We're probably getting Edmonton in the first round. Leafs are probably playing Toronto, um, uh, Montreal, excuse me. And this next month is really going to be positioning and preparing for those best of sevens uh, coming up next month. Yeah, exactly. And just to go back to that that silly narrative, and, and that's what it is to me. It's you know, it, it's it's a weird day trade deadline day, and especially when you're on the road and stuck in your hotel room pretty much all day. What do you think players are watching? You know, they're watching the trade deadline. They're distracted a little bit by what's going on across the league, where their buddies are going, where you know where former teammates are going, who's coming to their team, right? And so, you know, I think yesterday, I don't want to call it a write-off. You know, you look at Ottawa, they didn't have to worry about it. I mean, they're selling off guys or doing whatever they want to do, getting some guys in. They, they claim Victor Mete off of off of waivers yesterday. I mean, they don't care, though. I mean, those guys, they know that their time is coming in a few years or a couple years down the road. They didn't care, right? But you know, I think the Jets, there, there was some vested interest in what was going on yesterday. And so that's a little bit distracting. And at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, they, they, they tossed up a dud yesterday. I mean, Paul Maurice said he didn't get his team. You really see Paul Maurice talking like that, right? And I, part of that might have been to deflect a little bit of the, you know, the, the heat that was maybe on Hellebuck, which I, I still think is unfounded. I mean, you look at Connor Hellebuck. He's at the top of the league in goals that saved above expected. You know, analytics way up there. You know, this is a guy you've, you've, you've essentially rode – hard even this year he's got the most games out of any goaltender in this league he, he just played that was his seventh straight game last night maybe rest the guy you know <laughs> you know i mean that i mean i think there were some coaching decisions last night that may not have been you know the greatest put lb in that game why and i get that lb is going to play coming up here on 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 probably wednesday now um just how it goes and have hell luck start against Toronto, but um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was just, I, I, I hate to use the word outlier, but it was just one of those bad games, right? And, 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 you know, some nights the Jets aren't going to win. They just won three straight. They're not going to win every game. And sometimes and Ottawa gives teams for, look at Ottawa on Saturday against Toronto. You know, it, that game went 6-5. And, and sure, the Leafs win, but Ottawa plays every team the same way, and it's hard. And, and, you know, last night the Jets got off to a uh, – even Kyle Connor said it wasn't a good start. I mean, arguably a 2 nothing lead early is, is a good start. They were snapping it around on that power play. I mean, that power play, that first one, 
before Connor got the goal, I mean, th- th- that power play had, they were just, they were whipping it around. They looked motivated. I, I don't, I don't buy the whole thing that they were voicing their disapproval or, or playing the game in protest or anything like that. It's all silly crap that, you know, this team believes in itself. And I think they all said that kind of moving into the deadline. Sure. Would they have liked to seen a top four defenseman come in to have it? Yeah. But I think they all understand the business of the game too, because they all go through it. So um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Last night's game was one of those things. If Jets respond on Wednesday with another dud, then let's start talking about, you know, some different things. But I, I don't think that that last night's yeah. game was indicative of anything other than just a dud game. Well, listen, they weren't the only ones last night. I mean, Carolina responded yeah. by losing at home to the Detroit Red Wings. Montreal beat the Leafs. And um, and yeah, as Boston I said, lost eight one the other day, right? Yeah. I mean, this happens. <laughs> this happens. The best teams still lose hockey games, right? So that, that's what it is. Um, here's, let's see, where was this one from Joe? Joe from Winnipeg had something for us here that I wanted to ask you. Oh, you know, so Joe says, Scott's correct. Time to play LB some more. Hell, he's made more saves than any other goalie in the NHL. There's no need to overplay him. I will say this. If I found out that going into back-to-back games Wednesday, Thursday, where you know Brassois is going to play one of them, Hellebuck's yeah. coming off a shutout. You know, you've yeah, got another day off. I would have been like, come on. Like, you, you, this is Hellebuck's game. Like, just keep it going and going forward. But to your point, there might be – and let's face it. Now that we know where the hockey club is, uh, you know, in you know in the playoff matrix, you know, in all likelihood going to be second or third, I yeah. uh, wouldn't be surprised if they sort of force maybe an extra game of rest on Connor Hellebuck going down this road. And that's one of the things that their play and the results up until this point – have sort of afforded a little bit more wriggle room for the organization. I do think that'll happen. But, I mean, it's – listen, if the guy has a bad game, we can always Monday morning quarterback. But uh, I can tell you, I wasn't last night when they said, oh, Hellebuck's going again, going, man, this would have been the time that LB would get in. I got to ask you about this. Um, A lot of people were wondering about Brady Kachuk after having to answer the bell last night. and. And I guess, you know, it's difficult not being in the rink and watching on TV because a lot of things, especially like that, sometimes happen away from the play. Um, But it was quite interesting that early on it was, you know, there was a few shifts in and then all of a sudden Brown coming in and is fighting fighting Logan Stanley. Um, I'm sure he was basically just taking Brady Kachuk's dance card. But I I will say this. The one thing that a lot of people I think were sort of wondering was that that sort of happened and then... Ottawa really took over the game, did whatever they wanted. There wasn't a lot of response from the Winnipeg Jets. And um, I know a number of people were wondering, you know, there's all this talk about the code and things that will happen on the other side of things. Where was the real response for Brady Kachuk last night from Winnipeg? Yeah, and it's, it's a good question, right? And, uh, you know, I I thought this would be sorted out earlier in last night's game. You know, yeah, regardless of what people think about the code, and it, it, it's still there, right? Like, I mean... You see this. You see, you've seen guys fight other guys after guys got injured, right? That's just the way it happens. And, and I do agree. I mean, to, I don't. I think. I think Brown came out and 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 didn't. He was the guy who played, like you said, the dance card, right? I mean, I think that's that's kind of. It. I don't think Brady Kachuk wanted to fight. Um, you know, so maybe that's it. I, I saw Adam Lowry. I mean, if people picked up on Adam Lowry and Brady Kachuk were going back and forth last night during the second period quite a bit. Um, and maybe there was some ass there to fight. Maybe there wasn't. At the end of the day, I, I do wonder: is it worth fighting Brady Kachuk 
right now when you're worried you're a playoff team the Ottawa Senators are essentially irrelevant if Adam Lowry goes out there and breaks his hand and is out for six weeks is it worth getting the retribution and that's the only thing that I wonder if these guys were worried about a little bit it was just like because you saw Josh Morrissey fight in the Montreal game against uh, Evans there Jake Evans and if Josh Morrissey breaks his hand, yesterday's <laughs> trade deadline ch- changes completely, right? Yeah. It goes back to two years ago, or three years ago, I guess. No, two years ago now. In 2018, he got injured the day before the trade deadline, and now you have to scramble to go get somebody. And I think there was a huge worry when Josh Morrissey was thrown down with Jake Evans that something like that was, you know, lightning was going to strike twice. I think there's, I think it's a bit more maturity in the Jets that they did, and I understand that Logan Stanley fought. I think there was a little more maturity from a guy like Adam Lowry to understand their role, understand where they sit in the standings, and really, at the end of the day, the biggest punch you land, it doesn't need to be on Brady Kachuk, it needs to be in the playoffs. And so, you know, whether or not you want to say the Jets kind of uh, didn't live up to the code or didn't do what they needed to do, whatever. It, to me, at the end of the day, and I get, I like, you know, I'm not opposed to fighting in the game. Uh, the game polices itself a lot of the time with fighting. I get that. I just don't think it was worth it. Brady Chuck can throw. Uh, if anybody's watched Brady Chuck fight, he can throw. He can do damage. Um, so it's not like you're just going after a guy that 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 just is going to take his licking and that's the end of it. No, Brady Chuck's going to come and fight, right? And he's got nothing to lose, right? So I think the Jets stood a lot, had a lot more to lose yesterday by fighting whoever they stood stand out. And I don't think you want a Logan Stanley fighting a Kachucky. I just don't think he wanted to get injured yesterday, right? I mean, I think that's at the end of the day, that's what it was. It wasn't worth it. I don't think Blake Wheeler takes it the wrong way. I don't think the Jets are any less of a team because they didn't do it. I just, I don't believe that. I think, if anything, there's a little bit more maturity there. In terms of no, we got bigger plans here. Let's not, you know, let's focus on those and not getting our little retro. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think the absence of the captain um, showed big time last night. And just, you know, you hear all the things about Wheeler and what he brings to the team every day, and sort of the bar that he sets, the way he leads by example. And you know, Shifley said after yeah. the game, "Hey, you know what? I need to be one of those guys that you know that steps up and." You know, it had it. And listen, I don't know. This is maybe unfair to characterize Blake because he's a member of the team, not a member of the coaching staff. But right. there was an element of, you know, remember when you had a substitute teacher back in elementary <laughs> and you realized, ah, you know, maybe we can get away with a little bit more. That yeah. was sort of the way the Jets played last night. And I certainly think that when Wheeler's like- back, <laughs> when Wheeler's back in the classroom, if you will, I think guys will be a little right. bit more, a uh, little bit more on plan, at least going into, uh, well, hopefully they play like at next week in the next couple of games before they potentially get Blake Wheeler back when the team gets home. Yeah. And, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Sorry about that. My phone's going off. Um, yeah. I, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think, yeah, I, I think they knew what happened last. Every, every guy to a man understood that game last night. It was bad. And, and I think, they come out, make an example again out of Ottawa on, on Wednesday. And then, you know, kind of gear up for that Toronto game because that, that's a big game, right? I mean, the Jets could have been four points behind. I, I think they know what they lost yeah. last night because you could have been four points behind last night and then eventually, you know, you, you play Toronto. Perhaps you're only two points behind with four games to come against them 
you know, coming. So I, I yeah, I think there was, they Jets found out last night. There was a bit of a missed opportunity there. And, uh, you know, they have responded well after losses for the most part this season. I expect whoever plays in goal is going to be motivated to, to not let, you know, that those types of shots go in. Um, and I think Hellebuck, I think you probably play him against Toronto because you want him at his best on the back-to-back, knowing that he's a little PO'd after last night's, uh, last night's performance. Hey, Scott, just before we go, um, what do you have cooking over the next couple of days in the sun before uh, the game on uh, Wednesday? Yeah, not a whole lot. Uh, the nice thing is I finally get a couple of days off after working seven straight. So, you deserve uh, it. You we'll deserve we'll it as much as anyone. We'll You're still cranking out the COVID tweets, though, of course. I'm Unfortunately, a little more a little more on that uh, on that yeah. um, section of your uh, of the job right now. Yeah, and that's you know that is what it is. You know, I have the daily tweets that'll go out, and it, it's a tough time right now. We're entering the third wave, and just hoping people are being safe and, and smart and that sort of thing because. The last thing we want is any of this stuff to start affecting, well, obviously sports, but anything else, right? Shuts down more stuff like that. And and people's lives, right? I think that's the biggest thing. And I think you got Jason Gunlickson coming on here. It was, I mean, they had a bit of a scare in that bubble there too, right? With curling and I'm sure you guys get into that. But I I, I think, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing right now is people just need to you know, bunker down for, hunker down for a little bit longer here. The vaccines are coming. I, I know I sound like a politician when I'm saying this, but I've covered it for the last year. It's tough. I get it. I want to go outside. I want to go out to the bar. I want to go and have a drink with a buddy again and have wings and all that. Um, but I don't think we're that far off. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's my little you know, hoorah message, you know, try and keep people kind of. Kind of going here. It's tough, and and I think we everybody understands that. So well between uh, the trade deadline, last night's game, COVID numbers, yeah. just you know, a bunch of you know laughs here on the program today. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Scotty, listen, you're the Fair best enough. man. Keep up the great work. Appreciate it, and uh, let's do this again soon here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Anytime, appreciate us and uh, as well. at Scott Billick, of course, doing an unbelievable job both on the virus and covering the Winnipeg Jets. All right, we're going to get back to the ice, but the Pebble Grand Slam of curling is going to get going this week, one day late. Um, of course, we uh, are so thankful to have Royal Sports as our sponsor. We've been talking about spring being here and go out and get outside. That can wait a couple days. Um, it's kind of hockey weather. They are the hockey superstore of Winnipeg, but... As soon as this passes, we get a bit of melting in a couple days. We'll be back on the bikes, playing soccer, baseball, everything ready for summer. Royal has. And if you're an NFL fan, the new draft caps are in. And so much new footwear, both in the fitness department and the streetwear. As far as flip-flops, slides, they got you all set up over at Royal Sports. And, of course, our friends Nick and Nikki in the DQ Group, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the flagship store, DQ Northgate. Pop in for a blizzard, uh, maybe a flamethrower burger. And if you're planning a party, nobody does better cakes than Nick and Nikki. Hit them up on Instagram as well. If you'd like to do that. All right, let's get out to Calgary right now and welcome in our good friend, Jason Gunlickson, the defending Manitoba curling champion. You can follow him on Twitter at Curling Gunner. And Gunner joins us from confinement in the Calgary bubble. Uh, I do believe we've got Gunner right now. We welcome Jason Gunlickson in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Gunner, what's up? How are you? Hey, Hustler. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, it's it's quite quite the world right now uh, in all of everything, but definitely in curling. We, you know, have just gotten to the bubble here, and uh, you know, 
in our hotel room still, but really looking forward to get on the ice um, on Thursday. So listen, I want to get back and talk a little Briar experience with you as well as what's coming up in these grand slams, but fill us in as we watch you right now this afternoon, you're in, in a hotel room. I imagine is this part of quarantine? Like tell, what have you been doing since you finished up the Briar? People wondering, Jesus, he just been in a hotel room the whole time. Have you been able to move? Like, what have you been doing? Well, there was enough of a break that we were able to get back to back home to Winnipeg, but, um, you know, obviously quarantining on that side and then starting the quarantine to come back. There was very little, very little time for, um, you know, real life. So it's been tough, um, you know, and, and we're not a sport maybe that's quite at the level some of these uh, NHLers or PGA players are at. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a grind. But on the other hand, you know, six months ago, we did not think we were going to get to play this year. And now we get to play a Briar, and it looks like two grand slams versus the best teams in the world. So, you know, it's pretty exciting for sure. No doubt about it. So did you come back to Winnipeg and just sort of, I mean, there's just been a lot of alone time there, or did you just stay in Alberta close by and get ready to back out? And have you been able to throw any rocks since the Briar? Yeah, we got back into into Winnipeg, did our quarantine time, and then we're able to throw for, for a little while before we... Um, you know, headed back out to Calgary, but basically like a week of practice in between, uh, in between all the quarantines. So just enough to, to maybe think you're good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so no, we're, we had definitely the sport and the bubble had a scare here this weekend. And when we had to leave, it was very tricky time. I know some of the players were, you know, do we go, do we not? But in the end, um, you know, basically came down to a vaccinated player, va- vaccinated person, you know, had a false positive, which then they had about three, I think three or four tests now negative right after. So it was, you know, very scary times, but really it looks like the bubble's done its job. And, you know, I think the players overall are pretty excited to uh, to get back and get on the ice. Now we're going to get to these grand slams that you'll be participating in with your club uh, beginning in a couple days, but were you guys already there in the bubble when everything happened on the weekend? Um, how did you hear about it and when, what, what was sort of that news? How did that ripple through players like yourselves that weren't in the worlds, but we're going to be in this bubble for this event starting this week? Yeah, we were having to leave home like right around the time that this all broke. So it was a really tricky time. And I I know that there was like talking with other players, there was just a lot of anxious moments because we didn't know like, do we go there? And then do we end up like in lockdown for weeks or what have you? You know, there's obviously the health risk, but also just the, you know, if you show up there and then you're, you know, stuck in a hotel for two weeks and come home, that's not a lot of fun. So it was a really tricky thing. But really good communication from the Grand Slam team, um, you know, the organizers to, to let us know what was happening and as fast as they could, they were going to get us the information. But uh, yeah, it's, it's this new world. I mean, it was happening in real time on Twitter and, and, you know, it was, it was quite the roller coaster, but kind of just in time, we got the information that, you know, we were going to be comfortable to go and start a new bubble at worst. And realistically, it looks like now that, uh, you know, it was just a little bit of lab error that caused caused a pretty big scare. Yeah, no doubt. Better safe than sorry, though, when we're dealing with the sort of things that we are right now. And I mean, you know, uh, from all accounts, the bubble has worked very well this weekend, notwithstanding. And, and I think it's positive for everyone to know that these were false tests. And, um, you know, for the most part, the bubble has uh, has worked out. So right now, you guys are in the bubble right now. How much longer are you in your room? When do you get to get out, throw any rocks? And, uh, and then we'll get into what's happening coming up on Thursday. 
Well, it's like we kind of went through this in with the Briar, so we had some experience and a bit of a plan. But uh, yeah, we're we're still still in quarantine for about twenty four more hours, and then we're gonna because the Grand Slams actually moved back a day just because everything was tight and they really had a day of, of wiggle room, so they moved everything back. So we're actually gonna get a practice tomorrow, and then uh, first thing Thursday morning the the games start up. So uh, yeah, it's it's still looking pretty positive that way, and you know. It's it's quarantine, but we're all kind of been in quarantine on and off for a year. So. <laughs> and really, at this point, uh, it's not that different than life at home. So. Hey, what? Uh, so now that you're a quarantine expert, um, what, uh, what 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 did you spend most of your time doing? Was uh, was it poker online? Was it video games? Was it reading? Was it watching curling? Was it uh, uh, all of the above? Because you had so much time. Oh, it's been nice to, like, it has been very nice with all the curling on TV, because I, I can't help it. If there's a curling game on TV, I, I get, I end up watching it. Uh, so, no, it's been it's been nice to have that and just have sports back on. I mean, I've never watched so many Jets games. I've never watched so much PGA golf. Like, you know, having that, that norm, normal feeling back a little bit, you know, getting to watch the Masters, these things, like, it is starting to bring some normality, and, you know, we're, like, like Scott Billick, who's done an amazing job, by the way, like oh, as yeah. great as he's sports, he's killed it on the COVID front. Um, no, he, you know, we, we're kind of seeing that, you know, we're a couple months away from the world being somewhat normal and, you know, we just got to make it through there. So, yeah, we got to get these shots going and, uh, and you, you make a great point and I can tell you, and I think this would be the, the, the same way, even if I was not, you know, working in this industry, um, Sports are such a huge part of our society for a, a huge part of the population. And even if we can't go outside or can't go to bars, having the Jets games on, having the Masters, and my God, the curling, you know, the curling with the fact that there's draws going on every day. Um, I'm not sure what the TV numbers have been this year, but I think there's been some added um added importance i think to just average fans about just the ability to maybe keep their minds off of some of the things going on in their lives and and doing it with sport and of course it'll be right back um because we've got the grand slams coming up just before we do that tell us about the briar experience a big win over botcher great start wasn't the way uh, you wanted it to finish but uh how did it go overall for you and your squad yeah, I was, I mean, we had no clue what to expect coming in just with the weird training and everything leading in, but we played great and we really played great for about, I guess, about nine games in the last couple. We didn't play as well as we wanted to, but there's probably a, you know, four to six game stretch where that was kind of the best we'd ever played, I think, as a unit. And we were, you know, really excited to build on that. And, and that's why for us, it's so, so exciting to get to play the Grand Slams and get to play these events now again with all the best teams in the world. And I mean, that's uh, something we, you know, as a sport, we got to continue to promote. They're kind of like the world golf championship events. Like, yeah, the Briar has that mystique that's, you know, a little bit like the Masters or what have you, right? But but those world golf championships and watching the, you know, the match play, that's kind of what it's like where it's hard to pick between the teams because we've only got the best teams here playing, um, you know, these events. So, yeah, the Briar was awesome, and you know, hopefully, we can build on it with you know another good showing here at the Slams. So you move on to the Grand Slam, and just feel you kind of nailed that. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are casual curling fans that just assume that okay, well, for about a month, we're going to turn on TSN, and it's either going to be the Scotties or the Briar, or then it's going to be the Worlds, and that's it. But these Grand Slams are on Sportsnet. They're beginning coming up on the weekend, and I know they've got a lot going on with the hockey programming and other things, but it will be there. And, you know, you've got a dozen 
of the best teams in the world. I mean, kind of building off what you just said, you can make an argument that the quality of play, as great as it is at the Briar, even higher at something like these Grand Slam events. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you know, the, the Briar and Scotties are obviously fantastic events. But if you look at the gap between the best team and the worst team at a Briar Scotties, the gap is actually quite large. I mean, now that, um, you know, there's there's betting options and things online for the sport, you're seeing like how far apart these teams are in number version. So um, the fact that at a player's championship, that that gap is is quite small. I mean, there's still a gap, but it, it's way less than there would be at a Briar Scotties. So the chances of seeing, you know, a great match between two great teams is even higher at the slams. And, you know, hopefully over the next few years, we really, um, you know, kind of can educate the public that, you know, this is fantastic hurling and well, you know, it, it isn't as tied to provinces and, and that sort of thing. If you want your Manitoba team to win, you're going to see them probably win first at the grand slams. And then you're going to see them go into the Briar Scotties and win like, uh, you know, team Anderson or, you know, Team Jones or whoever. I mean, you're going to get that kind of get to see it first at the slams a lot of the time, and then um, you'll see it on TSN often a year or two later. Now, Jason Gunlickson's with us, getting ready for the first Grand Slam event. There's going to be two um, done in the bubble, back to back. What's on the line for a team like yours going into an event starting on Thursday? Um, so like. Definitely, a, you know, a bunch of cash is, is kind of this, this is the carrot. Um, that counts. <laughs> but also just the opportunity to play versus the very best teams because it is an Olympic year coming up next year. So everyone's kind of got a little bit of focus towards that. And it's really, really hard to, I think in any sport, but but definitely and you hear it talked about training camps and everything. But it, it's hard to get to your very best without playing a fair few games against really good teams. Like, um, you know, you can only get so improve so fast through practice. And for all these teams to get to play when effectively no one else is playing because of COVID um, is just a huge opportunity. So there, there is that side to it. And normally in a normal season, um, the Grand Slams come with a ton of world ranking points. So often, you know, that's that allows us to, you know, achieve other goals and that sort of thing. So, um, well, the points are currently off just because of COVID. Normally, these Grand, grand Slams really make a difference, in, you, know, you know, moving up the rankings and all the carrots that come with that. So, you know, that's something that we're always looking forward to. The biggest carrot, if you're a Canadian curler, is wearing the red and white at the Olympic Games. Um, where you mentioned how there's no world ranking points right now and everything's changed up. Where are things at for Olympic qualification and how has that been turned upside down by what we've been going through? Oh, that's a job nobody wants right now. No, it's definitely it's definitely all all kind of up in the air. Currently, they have a few teams of each sex like straight through to the trials. Um, a few teams in like an intermediate event where if you win it, you like go forward. If you lose, you go to a general pre-trials. But I mean, it'll all depend on vaccine rollout and speed of COVID. Um, you know, it's very possible we just end up in a situation where you know. We don't get to play outside the province until we're at the trials, potentially. So um, that's why one of the things that's so huge. This could be one of the last times we see all the best men and women's teams in the world together competing before the Olympic Games, potentially. So, uh, you know, I think it, it just is 
a little bit extra exciting to, for everyone to see where they're at and, you know, where the gaps might be. Do, do you know as a skip of your squad what you need to do to be in the trials? I mean, is that even like, is there a way you can book a spot or will there be qualification tournaments later on? I mean, get getting into the trials and knowing you've got a shot at representing Canada is one of the, one of the things that you and every team is working for. For sure. And just being part of that event, that, that Canadian trials is, is, probably like from a pure curling perspective one of the best events that happens every four years like um the olympics is getting better and better all the time but uh that event is amazing to be part of for us we're at a point now where we're going to play a five-team event um in the fall and two of those teams two or three of those teams sorry will make it through to the trials if you don't make it through that you'll get one more chance with about a 10 12 team event um for two more spots so we're in a pretty good situation, but, uh, you know, we, we definitely, you know, realize this is one of our last chances potentially to play everybody and, and continue to fill those gaps in so that we can be in those trials and contend in them. The Gunner, let's take a look uh, at the upcoming Grand Slam. A uh, bit of a different look for your club. Uh, you got the Waz in, uh, in with you guys now. I mean, uh, fill us in on the, uh, on the team, how you guys are looking and uh, what's to come when you start off. Yeah, it's been, been exciting. Um, you know, we lost Alex Forrest from our team from the Briar two years ago and a longtime teammate. He's just kind of had a second child and it was, you know, tough to be traveling as much as we normally do. Ironically, COVID killed all that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we added Matt Wozniak who, um, it's funny. He's actually, he, he was Connor, our lead's first boss. So they're like, Connor's brother and him are best friends. So we've kind of known each other forever. I curled with Matt years ago. Um, you know, and it was kind of, we were looking for a player and he was looking for a team. It worked out great. So we've got him and Connor on the front end with Adam Casey, who's our import at third here for these two events. So, um, definitely exciting. And it's interesting going into that Olympic year with Matt, who like you lost the final of the, of the trials, um, last time with team McHugh and he's, you know, has a very different and useful perspective for our team for sure. Um, do you know the sked right now for, uh, when you guys start off when we can catch you on the two? Yeah, the event starts Thursday morning about 8, 8 a.m. Calgary time, so 9 a.m. in Winnipeg. And I think at about 1, 1 p.m. Um, Thursday this week here, we we kick it off um, on Sportsnet. And you're going to be two or three draws a day for 11 straight days on Sportsnet. So if you like to catch your curling uh, or you're getting kind of addicted to curling from this Briar Scotty's World Run, um, you know, you're going to see the best games, the best teams playing um, for the next 11 days. And, um, yeah, it, it sh- should be fantastic that way. I tell you, I don't even mind them moving it back a day. I think the finals should always be on Monday. I, I, I think it actually works great with a Monday night. Monday night is a great sports night. I mean, if you're outside of football season when Monday night football's on, I mean, it's a great spot. And it gives you, you know, the weekend for all those playoff games before you finally give it out. I think this actually might work out well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty amazing uh, as a player. Like it's just gonna keep going, and you know when we're in the bubble, having days off isn't that useful. So no, I think it should be good, and it'll be interesting to see how the TV numbers react to that Monday final. And then now you guys will fit that event finishes on Monday, and then another one will get going just a few days later, I imagine. Yeah, then we play the Players Championship, which is basically like the biggest event for us every year. Normally, it's in the old Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. It's just a if you know if you're in that area and we're back in it's one of the coolest you know a places to play and and be events in in uh, right downtown Toronto so this year we're playing in the bubble but uh, always 
it's only the best 12 teams. It's very similar to the players in golf where you kind of, that's always a, you know, a goal to make that event and be part of it. And, you know, for our team to be part of it this year, is really exciting. Well, I'll tell you what, dude, um, it's always fun watching you guys on the tube. We'll wish you luck and be pulling for you on Thursday. And uh, hopefully we can have you on, uh, you know, in a few weeks talking about uh, cashing a few big checks and uh, talking about a spot in the Olympic trials and everything fun going forward. That would be fantastic, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, appreciate it, and good luck. There he is, our pal Jason Gunlickson. Follow him on Twitter, at Curling Gunner. Um, and uh, they'll be added along with the 11 other top teams in the world for the first of two Curling Grand Slams beginning on Thursday in the bubble in Calgary after that scare on the weekend. Um, uh, we'll, uh, you know, you mentioned some golf, too. No golf to talk about today. RBC Heritage, though, does get going on Thursday. We got our picks in on the lock shop today, so you can uh, all, you know, hit up the lock shop. Check out my Twitter feed. It's all up there. Uh, we got some picks for tonight's games. We've got some baseball in there. We've got the double play parlay and the picks for the RBC. And, of course, it's not very good golf weather today, as anyone that's in Winnipeg can well see. Um, but Breezy Bend's already open, and uh, we'll be looking forward to getting back out to Breezy afterwards. If you're thinking about getting on the membership waiting list there or find out more about uh, just an incredible club, go online, breezybend.ca, or give them a buzz and talk to Corey, our good friend Corey Johnson, the GM out at Breezy Bend. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a moment. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, the ticker seems to be a big, big hit in the chat. From what I've been seeing going back and forth, there's uh, a lot of love for the ticker now that we've kept it from yesterday's trade deadline show. Yeah, you know, when you you were talking in the weekend. You're like, we need something to have tweets show up. I was like, yeah, we let's get a ticker going. So I have the blue stripe and have the text that matches, you know. It's amazing to me how much thought put, you know you have to put in like what what font am I going to use for this <laughs> stupid ticker? I just went with the default Arial. I really didn't uh, pick, but I put today's headlines in. If there's you know Jets news, which we had today, uh, they just spoke after their practice. It sounds like Jordy Ben isn't going to have to quarantine, and he's just going to hop on the Canucks charter. And because he's already quarantining and he's already gone through the protocols, he'll be able available Friday. It sounds like. So that's uh, good news if we thought he was going to be able to skate for the first time with the Jets on Monday because of a week quarantine. So we did have some news. I threw up some other NHL notes. Um, Lucic playing his 1,000th game, some comments in chat. Uh, yeah, what, the congratulations to yeah. 100 games of dragging knuckles around the uh, rinks in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Hard, to believe he, hard to believe he's there. Um, you know, uh, the, the other story, speaking of Calgary, is the fact that Big Save Dave may very well make his first start for the Leafs against the Calgary Flames tonight, Remo. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, he got new pads. Uh, I think he got Leafs pads. Unlike Anton Forsberg, who was got a win <laughs> against the Jets yesterday, he got a new mask but was still rocking Jets, uh, Jets-colored pads, maybe for good luck. But And it's funny enough, uh, big save Dave, he <laughs> traveled to Toronto as a member of the Leafs with the Flames playing, and I think Lucic was giving him a couple, a uh, couple stabs there, a couple, you know, <laughs> chirps on the plane over. But we'll wait and see. Uh, someone joked yesterday, or I forget if it was somewhere else. I heard him call No Save Dave because uh, I think the Big Save Dave nickname got revoked when he lost the starter's job. But hey, it rhymes. It sounds good, so we can go with that. And Jack Campbell finally lost 
yesterday uh, for the Leafs when they lost to Montreal. It wasn't going to last forever. He wasn't going undefeated the whole season, but what a story. And uh, James Myrtle had a real good in-depth article about Jack Campbell and how he kind of had to rebuild his mental game. Uh, you know, he was a top, you know, what first-round pick, I think 11th overall by Dallas. He was supposed to be, like, the guy. It took a while, but now he's the guy for Toronto, it seems like. But they they got to manage. He's got, I guess he's got a wonky knee or a knee that likes to act up. So they're going to have to manage that as they head towards the playoffs. Well, and of course, there's the big question mark as to what's up with Freddie Anderson when he can return. But I, I do applaud Dubas for doing what he had to do to get a third goaltender because... I mean, you do not want to be in the situation the Avalanche were in last year in the playoffs where you've got an incredible team, um, you lose your starting goaltender, you lose your backup goaltender, and then, you know, Michael Hutchinson was the starter. We know how that ended. And, um, you know, Hutch now essentially the fourth stringer for the Leafs. And, well, if Hutch gets in, that means things have gone quite badly when on the injury front for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs tonight, with potentially big save Dave going up against his old team, are a minus 179 favorite against the Calgary Flames. Let's get to our quick cool bet lines of the day. Leafs, big favorites over Calgary, as I mentioned. You've got Tampa, minus 172. In Nashville, the Preds, a home dog at minus 145. This is an interesting one. Florida's at Dallas, and this game opened as a pick Dallas is now an even-money underdog. Florida at minus 118. That'll be the late game tonight. couple other games earlier on. Uh, the Jersey Devils, a home dog, plus 150, minus 179 for the Rangers. And Taylor Hall and the Boston Bruins going up against the Buffalo Sabres. Let's check these player goal totals right now, Reem, because uh, we've got Taylor Hall will <laughs> score. Taylor Hall will score is plus 250. Um, the only other guys is, I'm seeing... Is that for, good odds for a guy who's got two goals this year? That seems like he should be more than that. It, listen, it should be even money on whether he scores tonight You think so? <laughs> because it's going to happen. It is going to happen. I will make this wager as we speak on the air right now. You're going to do I, it? I can't imagine... Okay, here we go. Where is it? Taylor Hall, two score, plus 250... I think he's playing with uh, Krejci and Craig Smith last time I checked, and he did announce his New Jersey number. Uh, I believe it's oh, oh, 71, not, 71. They're not giving him four? They're not giving him four in Boston? Uh, shockingly, no. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think four is available. Not available? <laughs> and I saw Mark Savard uh, tweeting uh, that he was going to take 91, and Savard's like, wear it well, but Taylor Hall ro- opting with 71. That guy's worn a lot of different numbers, 91, four, now... 71, yeah. Krejci and uh, Craig Smith. I really like that second line. That is a very good second line, so watch out for the Bruins. Now, they didn't really do anything. Uh, They'll get them on the power play. They'll try to set them up. Anyways, I just yeah. put 20 on it. Pays wow. Plus, I mean, wow. That, that would be... Well, you know what? Live I woke up this on the morning. Air. I woke up this morning, Reem, and I had that great feeling when you you load up and you get cool bet on your screen, and you look at your total and go, wait a second. That's a lot more than I went to bed with. 
And then I remembered, I bet the A's on the run line last night against. Uh, that was the last game of the night. Yeah, Arizona. that was. So I went to sleep beforehand, and uh, they obviously won by two. I didn't really catch much of the details. I just know that it cashed, so that was nice. We did talk about a bunch of the other lines on the lock shop tonight, and go to our Twitter page. Uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk, Sports Talk WPG on Twitter um, for the daily code if you want to deposit with CoolBet. Um, a couple other things coming in. I have not read, I've been seeing all day that Joey Votto has been trending in on Twitter oh, here in Canada. He He's not canceled. He homered he, yesterday. He did. He's actually the uh, subject of an article in The Athletic, a long read, um, by three different people. So this is like a big, big piece. Um, it's on Joey Votto. Joey Votto is playing chess, and the rest of us are playing checkers. Red's first baseman may be the most interesting man in baseball. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. And he, like, never had an infield pop-up, like, for a couple of years, which is uh, crazy to think. But he's kind of, he's got a big contract. In my fantasy leagues, he was, I don't even know if he got taken in some of them. He used to be you know, one of the top guys. And uh, he's kind of trending downwards. What what's, what does it say about him, Hus? Yo- I just so he they've interviewed all these players and just about Joey Votto, and you know there's just all these weird stories. Like Chris Dickerson, um, uh, Andrew McCutcheon told me this story. He said, "Hey man, what's up with Votto?" I was like, "Why? What happened?" He said, "I was at first base, and the dude just looked over and was like, you know, man." If you tried really hard, I think you could be an MVP someday. But with the blankest, most dead face, <laughs> zero emotion to it. And then they say, Bronson Arroyo, he's his own man, but a very, very different dude. Um, I, anyways, I'm very excited to read this. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll come back with some Joey Votto reports on this yeah. piece on The Athletic. Or maybe even we'll get one of these guys on to come talk about it. I see Rustin Dodd, who is a – I'm a big fan. I've used to cover the Royals. Um, was one of the uh, the authors of this. So um, they said, yeah, they called 14 former teammates and a couple of old rivals and just got stories about Joey Votto. So anyways, that should be interesting. Um, sorry, go ahead, Rich. I was going to say, there's one other trending topic last night that we haven't mentioned uh, on today's show. Uh, you remember this guy, Patrick Laine? He used to score a lot of goals Oh, for the my Jets. God. Trending, uh, trending on Twitter had... Was it maybe one of the well one of the goals of the year? I don't know if it was the goal of the year, but end to end rush, skating like full speed from behind his net. Uh, you don't see it to people go coast to coast. Patrick Laine not really known for his skating or for his speed. Mostly you know standing still, waiting for someone to feed him a one timer. But he's like, hey, I don't have a number one center. I'm just gonna do it myself. Uh, you know, dangled uh, the whole team. And I'm watching, I'm like, why doesn't he just do that every game us? Where's that been for, like, what, 20 games? I gave out the Ray Ferraro, oh, when I saw that goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, we've talked a lot about Line A. I've been very, I loved Line A. He, you know, as someone, you know, regardless of what my job is, as someone that has season tickets and pays money and sits in that rink, um, very few players have given me more enjoyment as a season ticket holder than Patrick Line. So I'll always remember him fondly. I'll always hope good things for him. And it's been, it's just been sad. I mean, while things have been going so well here in Winnipeg for the club and Pierre-Luc Dubois seems like a great ad, and there's no complaints about the actual deal from a hockey sense. 
But there's a real connection between a large portion of this fan base to Patrick Laine, what he did while he was here in the city. And to see what's become of him in Columbus was criminal at times. So while everything had been going so bad, to see him score one and then get a goal like that, that, listen, Remus, I don't know how you can look at that if you've been following this game for long enough and not say that that looked like Mario Lemieux. I mean, it really did. Coast to coast, behind the net, end to end, through a couple guys, using the wingspan, the size. I mean, it it probably is the goal of the year right now. And, you know, in the middle of such misery there in Columbus, and probably personally for Line A, um, that one, at least, that will be a nice little uh, something to tantalize Blue Jackets fans or wherever he ends up going forward because the, the demise of Patrick Line, I think, has been uh, a little bit premature despite what's been happening in his new home with John Tortorella. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I agree with that. I mean, you see that and you're like, oh, Patrick Line, he's back. Uh, he still has all, all this talent. I don't think anyone's doubting that. And you mentioned how he looks like Lemieux. I mean, he's a big guy. He doesn't have, you know, he's not a guy who's moving his legs, you know, super fast when he skates, but he's got this huge stride that can propel him. And uh, he got up to some speed. Someone tweeted me, that's the fastest he's uh, ever skated. I don't, I don't know about that, but um, it, was, uh, it was nice to see from him. And I think he's tried that move a bunch with the Jets, and it hasn't, you know, it, he couldn't quite pull it off, but there he was able to put it in the back of the net. So uh, that, was, that one was all over my timeline yesterday. I retweeted. I was like, hey, I haven't seen this guy, you know, appear in my timeline for weeks. I got, like, well, he hasn't like- looked like that guy in a while. Yeah. I mean, he's looked like a shell of his former self, and that was vintage Patrick Line. So, um, you know, it's just good news for him. I don't think much is going to come of Columbus. I think they'll probably have a new coach next year. And then they'll figure out where he's going to be long-term, whether it's in CBJ or somebody else. But um, that was nice to see. And even if it wasn't line A, we would still be talking about that goal because it was absolute. It was a 200-foot rush by a, yeah, uh, a pretty a... elite gifted player. Yeah, they said they want him to play a 200-foot game. There it was right there. And to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get him to play 200 feet. <laughs> Oh, good stuff today. So Jets practice today. Um, I'm looking forward to hear what Paul Maurice has to say after practice today. Um, He was very, very agitated after last night's game. Like more so than, you know, the Jets have played worse games. They've had worse results. I I didn't think their game was that horrible. I mean, look, you had two bad goals by Hellbuck. The, you know, one off the glove and the one where he tried to play it. The power play was one for five, but they look good. I mean, they can move the puck better than anyone. They had this first unit, or I don't know if we're saying first or second, but the Shifley Connor unit had the Morrissey had the puck for like two minutes. They couldn't get off the ice. So I I don't know. I mean, it wasn't the best, but what they lost by? Uh, sorry, I guess yeah. it was two goals. The third, they, the, third period was third incredibly period was underwhelming. Incredibly underwhelming, considering where they were. Like and you have a, a two-goal lead against Ottawa, you think it's you think it's over, but it's a three-period game, us, and just way too yeah. many breakaways. Aside from the, you know, it's funny. I said earlier, it's funny how he stopped the breakaways, except for that last one from Kachuk. But that with the one off the glove that he could see all the way. And that yeah, bouncer, that the bouncer from Shabbat that he passed right to Dadanov. Those are tough. But again, they lost to Ottawa. Let me ask Fine. you this. Yeah. How many, how many high-danger chances against did the Jets have on the power play? 
because while a couple of the ones they just lived in the other team's end, the one thing, and I think this was very frustrating for Maurice and some of the players, was the fact that there was some real careless passing. Um, You know, Ehlers gave one up. Morrissey got pickpocket at once. I think Pullman did as well, although that might not have been on the power play. Um, But anyways, just, you know, bad decisions in and around the blue line that led to two-on-ones or breakaways um, that Connor Hellebuck did end up saving. Anyways, overall, this is not one that they'll spend too much time on. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing yeah. what uh, Maurice has to say a little bit later on this afternoon. I'm sure he's in a better mood than he was after the game last night, and I think a lot of this talk about the trade deadline will be left in the rearview mirror because, Remo, coming back Wednesday, Thursday, we've got back-to-back games as the Jets play five games in eight nights. I would imagine Loren Brassois will get the start against Ottawa on Wednesday, and then right back at it against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday, still trying to chase down the buds for first spot in the North. Yeah, hey, I actually, re- back to the trade deadline, actually, first of all, a couple things. You mentioned high-danger scoring chances against. The Jets allowed two on the power play uh, while centers were penalty killing, and that was in the second and third periods. And, yeah, there was some careless playing with the puck at the point. Uh, defense, they were trying to shoot it in, and it's getting blocked. So, I mean, the third period, I thought, was was a tough one. And then the other thing is trade deadline. I really like Scott Billick's analogy of the Jets holding all these chips the poker analogy it was great. Holding all the chips, you know, you have all these prospects, you've been drafting and developing, you have, and waiting, trying to wait for pocket aces. I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I don't know if there was uh, pocket aces out there, but at some point you do have to make a move and be like, hey, we're, we're going for it, and I felt that this year it wasn't. But uh, two games coming up, Ottawa. I think Brossois starts Ottawa at Hellebuck, Toronto. Give Hellebuck the extra day off. Let's get Brossois in. You know, Hellebuck had, you know, he's played however many, seven in a row here. And I think yeah, I want the, I want Hellebuck in for the Leafs game yeah. as well. Even if they will, as a team, be on the second end of back to backs, give yourself the best chance to beat the team you're chasing. Yeah, and how many times? Um, I forgot. I was reading the chat here. <laughs> forget was. Wait, how many times have we, has Brosois played since that Calgary game where he wasn't great? I, I don't think he's played since. So that'd be zero. Let's get let's get him in there because uh, you know if, if Brosois has a game uh, like Hellebuck did last night, imagine. Uh, what we would be saying, but he had played so well. He did have that rough game against Calgary. He's ready for redemption. Put him in against Ottawa. Get Hellebuck the rest, and then we'll have a, a sh- big showdown because uh, last night was a good opportunity for the Jets to pick up some points on the Leafs, who finally uh, lost with Jack Campbell in net, and uh, they were not able to capitalize. Hey, a um, couple other notes, non-hockey, just before we finished up the program. Um, an NFL note. James Conner, former Steeler running back, signs in Arizona. I was talking to Dusty earlier today doing the lock shop, and he was all in on Chase Edmonds as an RB1 keeper, um, you know, with Kenyon Drake leaving. But it looks like that uh, spot has just been taken by James Conner. That's going to be a very interesting team from a fantasy perspective with all that talent at receiver and now at running back. Only so many balls to go, uh, go around, though, from Kyler Murray. Yeah, James Conner was a real... I think he was hurt. He was in and out of the lineup last year. But when he was in, he wasn't very good for Pittsburgh. So we'll see. And we've been waiting for Chase Edmonds' season. We wanted to know last year, why aren't they giving him the ball more? Start throwing to him. Kenyon Drake, they're running him uh, into no one. So uh, they got Hopkins, Kyler Murray. They were awesome for a while. They kind of fell back to earth. Are we going to see some more? Uh, is Andy Isabella still uh, still on the team? Everyone's been <laughs> waiting for him 
to get some more the, playing time there. The Andy Isabella breakout? Yeah, is the Andy yeah. Isabella breakout took, coming? Took a bit of a hit when uh, DeAndre Hopkins showed up and Larry Fitzgerald's still there and John Brown and the rest of them. He's, uh, he'd be like, uh, Andy Isabella is to the Cardinals wide receiving core, sort of what Jordy Ben is to the Jets receiving oh, core, no. right? defense core, except... Uh, I'm not sure whether the Jets have uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the blue line Is, right now. Isabella yesterday, man, he's had some bombs. What do you mean that guy catches bombs? He goes deep. He's can fat, run fast down the field. Watch out for him. Depth player, you know what I mean? Depth player. Oh Once, no, he might might get the opportunity if if uh, if injuries provided. <sighs> um, and the other thing, and this really sucked. I finished watching the Jet game, caught a bunch of the post game coverage, watched a little bit of WWE Raw. Then I was trying to get to bed early because I had stuff to do this morning. I threw on the TV. I caught five minutes of the basketball game, at which point Jamal Murray goes down. And you could tell the concern in the building from the Nuggets broadcast crew. And we find out this morning that the Canadian star, Jamal Murray, torn ACL and is out for the year. Um, Just a real, real blow of bad news for a really incredible young player, a likable guy, probably the star amongst many of the Canadian Olympic team going forward, and a big, big blow to Denver, who have the presumed MVP in the Joker. Um, But Murray's a huge part of that. and Without him, their chances to make any noise in the playoffs takes a huge, huge setback. Yeah, and he was so good in the playoffs last year. Big blow, rising star. Mo, but the real important thing is what happens now to my top shot cards of my top shot moments of Jamal Murray. Do we have an update? What's the value of the of the I top was, shot thing? And did you get the one thousand dollar pack yesterday? I was hoping, I was holding these Jamal Murrays. I was going to hope they go up in the playoffs, but apparently, apparently not. I didn't get in the one the one thousand dollar top shot pack. Big drop. I know Jason Jett, who plays in our DraftKings contest. Yes. He he got a Jamal Murray actually legendary card. In that uh, he got a pack yesterday. So th- that yesterday. was the day that he got it. He got the yeah. day that he tore his ACL and is out for yeah. the year. Yeah, he got the Jamal oh. Murray legendary top shot. So yeah, there's the one thousand dollar pack drop for that NFT uh, cards, uh, and uh, I think there were like eighty thousand people in line for twenty five hundred uh, cards up twenty five hundred packs. So I didn't get one. I got the bonus pack. I got I got nothing. But uh, I am enjoying the. I'll, I'll tweet out my uh, showcase. Of Top Shot moments. Yes. There's a contest. There's a contest. So stay tuned to my Twitter, M. Remus. It's in the description. But uh, Top Shot Market, it's, uh, it's near the bottom if it's not already there. So this is the time to get in? This is it's the time the to get in. Time to get in. If Go you, buy a bunch of moments online. And, if you um, want to get some moments, yeah, this is the time. <laughs> uh, well, we'll hopefully have some better moments tomorrow night on the ice for the Jets as they get back mm-hmm. at it against the Ottawa Senators. Leafs on Thursday. And Remo, tomorrow's show is going to be great. One of our favorite guys to talk to back in the Pemina Highway days, Mike Kelly, NHL Network, the Point Hockey, will break down the Jets post-deadline, the rest of the teams in the North, and get his thoughts on the best and worst deals, as well as, um, you know, a little bit of a look ahead to the postseason with one of the guys that breaks it down as well as anyone. Yeah, I really uh, like what Mike Kelly brings. Looking forward to having him on. We didn't do too much um, deadline wrap, but if you had to pick the winner, I guess Lightning seems to be reloading. Uh, the I like Steve Eiserman's moves. 
for Detroit. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think the best, the best, most interesting trade by far was the one that came in right at the deadline, and yeah. that was the Anthony Mantha trade. I mean, to get Mantha in, listen, from Brian McClellan's perspective, I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, they get a guy at established score, you know, at what five point seven mm-hmm. for two more seasons after this. But man, the cost, like they wanted to get rid of panic. I think that was sort of something that Stevie Eiserman had to do to make this deal work. Uh, but Jacob Vrana, an RFA, a very talented young player, I think he comes in and literally takes Mantha's spot right out, right out the gate, plus an extra first-rounder and a second-rounder for Steve Eiserman. Um, I thought Detroit, in their current predicament, made out. It's a stark cry to what Buffalo got for their players, I'll tell you that yeah. much. They also, yeah, they also traded away uh, John Merrill. And got a pick for him, too. Uh, Columbus getting two firsts for Felino and Savard. Big win. And the Leafs were the other big team that added. Uh, you know, with Riddich, Ben Hutton, Nick Felino paying a lot. But the Leafs, are, the Leafs are going for it. Hopefully they can win a playoff round. Hopefully for them. I'm, you know, we figured you'd see Jets-Leafs in round two. We're going to see Jets-Leafs on Thursday, how they match up. They've played great games all year. So uh, the Leafs are a team... It said, oh, yeah, and we didn't even mention Pittsburgh getting Jeff Carter. We'll see what he has left in the tank. He's making his uh, debut tonight. And yeah, Boston, I... Boston did well, too, getting Taylor Hall. That was, the, that, sorry, that was actually the steal if he can play. Which well, we if he does anything, I mean. Well, listen, you think he if... can? You bet on him to score tonight. I do. I, I mean, big picture, come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, listen, he, they're playing against Buffalo in his first game. He's scoring tonight. I mean that's just that's just the way it works, Remus. We've know we've seen this beforehand. I've never felt more confident in a wager before than okay. Taylor Hall will get a goal tonight. He has two goals this season. Will he have two goals tonight against Buffalo? <laughs> I listen. If there was an over one and a half prop for Hall, I would bet that too. I don't. They don't see have it, it right now. I don't see it right now. No, it's We've probably because got... it's the odds would just be like minus a thousand. It's <laughs> not even worth offering. <laughs> the player goals. The only guys that we've got for over are Sam Reinhart, Victor Olison, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. Yeah, it's um, not, not going to give it. But as I said, you know what? Let's just go with Taylor Hall plus 250 to get one in. You can get that one at CoolBet and uh, as well as check out the uh, – oh, they do have a pass to hat trick uh, at 19 to 1. Um, mm, but I would, I would love, love to Hall. have seen Taylor Hall. No, that's the only guy I'm interested in. Uh, the only guy I'm interested in betting on tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. And, uh, you know, it's snowing out in April, and I figure it's going to oh. melt. Like, is it worth? Is it even worth for me to shovel? Like, I feel bad for the uh, mail carrier who's got to well, walk on my Mary- uh, walkway. The mail carrier and your wife um, no, we are go the to- two key people to— Yeah, yeah. but didn't your wife wipe out uh, at some point uh, on the ice, like, a few weeks ago? I remember you saying that. Did and she? Was- uh, we go in yeah. through the back. Like, our garage is in the, is in the back, so we go in— and we never really walk up the front. That's why I didn't shovel it. So I'm yeah. like, do I have? Like, I figure it's gonna melt. I don't know. Someone in chat said they put away the shovel for the season. They're they're done. It's, they're saying it's, it's, it's April. Over. I mean, it just sort of you know, it's the you know, you just have to deal with it after this point. I, I mean, uh, can't expected people to to do too much shoveling right now. And hopefully this comes and then just gets out of here after a few oh. days. Tracy says I sh- I should shovel a path. Well, I got to get the podcast up after this, so I don't have time to. <laughs> He's making excuses already. I'm sure the, the mail's already been delivered. I had to put stuff in the ticker, guys, so we would have a ticker for the show. I didn't. I didn't have time to shovel. 
Uh, Larry, the sports guy. Yeah, Verana probably gave the Caps the middle finger. I bet he's thrilled, I bet. You know, it's not great. However, for a guy like Verana, he probably is going to get a good contract. He really will be a central piece of Detroit. You just wonder how long this rebuild is going to be going before they're even remotely competitive right now in the National Hockey League. I have a feeling Steve Eisenman might have another season or two like this left for them. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. So I'm responding to people in the chat. Everyone's getting on me, calling me lazy, and making excuses for <laughs> well, not wanting to shovel. Not, look, you're not I, not far off, folks. You're not I don't far have off. look. I don't have a lot. This guy said Dave says use a blower, and K Rocket says good upper body exercise. Having well, I'm not getting a lot of exercise. Like I haven't played hockey since October, and I'm not really doing much else. So yeah, that, he's been working good. on important things, people like. Building tickers and I've, making our boxes bigger. I've been you know, working on graphics and <laughs> making sure we got you know social media content. Actually, I put out a reel on Instagram of uh, us announcing the the Jordy Ben trade and firing off the 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 goal horn, <laughs> the goal horn. sounding completely thrilled. We got like over two thousand views on that thing. So we are on Instagram. Check us out. Give a, a like on all of our videos. I think that. I think that's good for us. We did hit 1,000 followers on Insta recently. Oh, nice, nice. And as I said, you know, we'll get some more social media contests going up next week so you can help spread the word and we can hopefully spiff off some people for helping us do exactly that. If you're in the chat right now still with us, uh, do us a favor. Hit that mm. thumbs up. Give us a like on your way out. Throw something in the chat. And as always, let uh, let your friends know if they haven't already about yeah. Winnipeg Sports Talk, downloading on the podcast <laughs> or joining us daily 1 o'clock on YouTube. Uh- Actually, we did get one comment after uh, yesterday's show. And if you're watching on a replay, make sure you leave a comment uh, if you have any thoughts about the Jets or anything. But this was the one comment we got yesterday. Jordan wrote, Brandon Ruicki is a dreamboat. <laughs> that was the one comment we got. His, uh, we got a lot of his... comments about his hair in, uh, in chat. Okay, you know what's amazing? And uh, we'll finish off with this. A, a quick hair discussion. Because Rewiki came on yesterday, and folks, as I said, you'll have to go back and check it out. But his hair, and again, you're going to need to follow me. I apologize for people that can't see what I'm doing if they're listening on the podcast. But he had the huge poofy at the start, but it was all over on the side. So it sort of came out like this. I look back at Mo Khan last week. Mo had the exact same hair, but going the opposite direction. Oh. Like, you need to go back and just side-by-side side those, Rewiki. And, I mean, we're talking about, obviously, these Mokan and Rewiki, both trend-setting fashion plates, influencers, if you will. I have a feeling we could see being a lot of kids running around soon with that hair, um, which looks like it takes a lot to get in that shape. Uh, and I'm not sure what sort of product you need to have that sort of a, an extreme angle on it. Um, but I was I was very, very impressed with both of their hair. And when I saw the Mokan clip last night, it it basically, I'm like, oh, my God, that's the reverse Rewiki. I should, uh, we could, you know, we could get some good social content. We say who wore it better. That's how, <laughs> yes. you, that's how you get likes right there. No one cares about what we think about hockey. They only want us to do, like, uh, box openings. That's what's gotten the most engagement this year. I've, I've put so many videos on Instagram of, like, us talking about hockey, talking about the Jets. No, no, no. The one with the most engagement is you opening a box and getting a selfie stick. So, I don't know. So, sure, I'm sure that would do perform 
better than uh, anything else that we've done. You know, we had Murad on with some great Jet stuff, but uh, you know, us ringing the alarm for the Jordy Ben trade is hey, is the best. You the know best what? Tweet. Hey, we'll keep pr- trying to bring out the quality content on the show and on the podcast, and then if we have to pull out a few tricks for likes and RTs and. All the other stroke that you need in these mean streets of the internet, we will do exactly yeah. that to help promote Winnipeg Pe- Sports Talk. People want more evaluating guest uh, hair. Someone says, don't forget Randy. And yeah, Sean Reynolds does bring it. And he, I like when he rocks the headband. And I was in their show yesterday. There's a guy in their chat whose name is uh, Sean Reynolds Headband. Yeah, a, that's all sounding very suspect. It seems almost orchestrated. Oh, <laughs> Kenny and Rennie. <laughs> Just he's Sean's like, you think Sean's like, yeah, I'm going to wear a headband, and you make a name in chat and come in as uh, Benny's <laughs> headband. Yeah, really good idea. Listen, they're really trying to pump up the headband. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Reynolds is doing hits on Sportsnet, you know, in a little bit. Beautiful suit, as he always wears, the looking headband. great. And just maybe, maybe for playoffs or something like that. I don't know. Oh. That can be his thing. But the guys, guys had a good show last night. I see you guys had a good show last night. And it was funny. Drew Mandel was giving or was making a crack about Sean's headband and I couldn't help but notice and Drew if you're listening you might want to try that headband because if you get it over the head um yeah. the the glare off the front of Drew's head would not be at all in the shot and it would be uh, it would maybe be more nicer okay. for the lighting involved in the program look if headbands are in now I'll probably I'll wear one tomorrow. I have a good one that I like to uh, work out in. I got it keeps the hair out of the face, absorbs the sweat. I'm in for a headband. I got a nice uh, I got a good Nike one. Listen, dude, this is the beauty. This is the beauty of what we're doing here on Winnipeg Sports. Mm-hmm. Talk. I'll, I'll we're here it. for the content. We're not here for dress codes and extra rules. You as the CTO, if okay. you want to wear a headband, yeah. wear a damn headband. That I'm is, wearing um, these <laughs> headband Rennie's Brett Michaels says James. <laughs> I um yeah I was actually thought about wearing like a dress shirt yesterday. It's like trade deadline day. I want to look nice, and uh, I just went with the standard. I'm wearing a hoodie right now. This is uh, <laughs> this is Mondetta, a local company. If anyone uh, is wondering, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful one. Yes, and I'm wearing I don't know some sort of Chiefs uh, that? hoodie right now. Chiefs I might need a headband too. I mean, I'm getting a little thin up here, guys. I mean, maybe I'll start doing. I can do the hat. Still kind of. You know, I don't – Milt Stiegel had the greatest line of all time, and, and feel free. Anyone can use this. This is trademarked by Milt Stiegel. Give him credit afterwards. But I was on the air with Gary Lawless, and Gary had had – like, Gary wasn't totally bald, but he had kind of short hair around it at the, at the stop. It was sort of like the around the back. And Milt Stiegel referred to that <laughs> that haircut as – the skull de sac, a skull de sac, a cul de sac on one's head. So I don't know whether I'm not quite in skull de sac territory, but uh, who knows? Maybe I'm going to go to Hunter and Gun, get a nice cut, I'll look good, and then I can go a little while without dropping a headband in or a hat. I'll wear the headband. I'm going to wear it tomorrow. Sean Reynolds isn't the only one in these YouTube streets who can rock a headband. Yeah. One other thing that we'll be be discussing soon. We won't do this today. Um, but hat wearing styles. I'm oh. noticing you, Reem, like you're sort of, you've got an interesting angle there. Well, um, on it, you know, your buddy Benji, I was mm-hmm. on his stream yesterday and his hat, I don't have one in, but essentially 
he wears the hat so far back on his head up that you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what hat it is. Yeah, he goes like that. (laughs) I I I need to know more about that style of uh, that style of uh, hat wearing. I have mine up a bit because if it's too low, you won't be able to see my eyes and there's a shadow. But uh, I wear the hat, so I don't have to do my hair basically, and I get to show (laughs) off my awesome hat collection. You'd see, which, I mean, is, which is like 30 of the same hat for the record. Well, I agree. The hats are great, except if you wear the hat so high that you can't see what hat it is, it somewhat does defeat the purpose, right? No, no, no. It's part of the look, man. <laughs> Interesting. I'm inside. Right. The purpose of a hat is to block the sun. You can wear it however you want. There's no sun here. You're just trying to look cool. Exactly. Like, well, like this. This, you know what? Let's see. Yes or no? Well, as I said, we don't start me on hat style, says the Earl of Eli. Oh. <laughs> Remo, when are you switching Never. to the dad hat? No, yeah, no. That I'm, will be, I'm new be era 5950 or 950 exclusive. I'm not. No, I'm no, not we're getting the- Remus. We're getting Remus the all cotton 47 brand relaxed fit. To go on. Never, never. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I was so pumped when I saw they had like infant uh, new era snapbacks, uh, 950. So I, I had to get one uh, from the Gold Eyes actually last year. It, but I got to. I wish for... you could t- like look at yourself on the screen right now. Like if you look, it, t- it looks like you're maybe wearing some sort of a visor or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If you tilt your head down, you can see that it's a hat. But otherwise, if you just walked up, man, what is that thing on that guy's head? Oh, Visors are in too, right? <laughs> if, it's, mean, if it's early 2000. <laughs> apparently. Um, okay, anyways, folks, great show today. We got to get yeah. these pods up. What, Thank what you for joining us today. Uh, we talked about a minutes. number of things. Well, hat styles. Um, I think it all went down here. It all went downhill after we talked about Line's goal. And then there was there was a number of topics that were I thought this was it. actually the best part of the show. This was the most fun for <laughs> hey, me. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Headband with the Canadian tuxedo. I can the do wrench that. Dozer. <laughs> yeah, I'll absolutely. see if I can bring one in tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> Jeff Cavillas, K. I'm borrowing the skull de sac statement. <laughs> absolutely. Bobby Hull, maybe the most famous, <laughs> the most famous wig of all time. Uh, there's Adam Hendrickson. Grand Beach Club is back apparently. <laughs> Hanging in there, us with the hair. LOL. You know what? Hanging oh. on. Hey, I figure my brother has already lost a lot more than me, and he's younger than me. My dad probably at this point did not have this much hair, so I kind of I'm hanging on. I consider myself lucky, but my my days my days could be numbered, as I said. And I never really noticed <laughs> it much. <laughs> never really noticed it much until I sit here looking at myself on this show right now. It's way easier to go bald in radio because you never have to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. But you know, being YouTube guys now, yeah, um, sometimes you have to pay attention to this stuff. We're yeah, we're YouTube. K Rocket says uh, the last few minutes have been the best part of the show. Appre- appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, God knows we've got lots more where that came from, folks, and we'll uh, do it again tomorrow. As yeah. I said, Mike Kelly's going to come on the program. We'll get That's ready for the Jets and Sens, and. Uh, We'll probably have some more nonsense like this at the end of the show. Once again, thanks to Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Chains, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, our friends out at Aikens Lake, and, of course, all our lines from CoolBet.com. 
Folks, thanks for being with us. This has been another episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll be back with you tomorrow live at 1 o'clock on YouTube and in your podcast feed in and around 3 p.m. Have a great night. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow before Jet sends here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.